0: This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska. A place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. John thirteen three through 5 Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Nick Walenda is an American follower of Christ who has become the most watched high-wire artist and daredevil in the world. Now, you might recall in 2012, Lewendo walked a tightrope across Niagara Falls. You might remember that. But he followed that up last year in 2013. He became the first person to walk across a high wire across the Grand Canyon. Ever you see that? I mean, that was just spellbinding. I was sitting there watching that, and my knuckles, I was just squeezing the side of the couch... I was sweating, a, a breeze would come by, the wire would wave, and he'd kind of kneel on the wire until the breeze went by, and then he'd get back up. Uh, it was quite a feat. And uh, on the other side of the Grand Canyon, where he was expected to arrive, uh, there were throngs of people, just humongous crowds of people, celebrities had all come to, to see this great event. And when he got across, they just erupted in applause, in cheer. Now, you might expect a person to have accomplished something great, right? To to raise their hand in jubilation and just enjoy the adoration of the crowd. But what did he do? He got down on his hands and his knees and he prayed. And then as the crowd began to disperse, he stayed for three hours picking up the trash that the crowd had left behind. How unexpected. Uh, you wouldn't expect that from someone who had just walked a, a high wire across the Grand Canyon. Now, why did he do that? Well, according to Welinda, he said, I need to keep myself grounded. Hmm. That's an interesting statement from a guy on a high wire. Three hours of cleaning up debris is good for my soul. Humility does not come naturally to me, so I have to force myself into situations that are humbling. So be it, he says. I know that I need to get down on my hands and knees just like everyone else. I do it because it's a way to keep from being tripped up. As a follower of Jesus, he says, I see him washing the feet of others. I do it because if I don't serve others, I won't be serving anyone other than myself. What an amazing testimony of a follower of Jesus who, who understands the significance in our passage Today that the sovereign creator of the universe, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, takes a towel into his hand and kneels at the feet of his disciples. Dirt, filth, grime from the road. And in the ultimate act of humility and demonstration of what it means to be a servant. Our Jesus washes their feet. It's interesting. As we look in the, the gospel of John in our passage today, John 13, verses 3 through 5, we come to a very, very important place in John's gospel. It starts out in chapter 1 through chapter 12, A lot of scholars call it the Book of Signs, that that first part of John's Gospel. Why? Because John records the ministry of Jesus in Judea, and the miracles that that he does, and the testimony, uh, his teaching about those miracles. And in doing so, he is identifying who he is, what his mission is. And in chapter 12, of course, we, we see the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The hordes of the crowds are waiting. Uh, they're waving palm branches where the national uh, sign of nationalism and royalty uh, in the Jewish culture and heritage. He was being hailed as, as the Messiah, as the King who was going to free them from the bondage and the oppression and the dominance of, of Rome of a foreign power. And they were looking forward to Him establishing His kingdom and sitting on the throne of David. And they were hailing Him with those palm branches throwing their cloaks in front of Him, which would be the custom when royalty approaches. The adulation of the crowd, chapter 12, Palm Sunday. We read it in John. And then we get to chapter 13. And and that's where you see the, the division from the first 12 chapters, which is called the book of signs, to uh, chapter 13 through 21, which is called the book of glory. Because beginning in chapter 13, his ministry changes. It's no longer the crowds, it's to a few, it's to the followers that are left, it's to the faithful. In chapters 13 through 17, he gives his farewell discourse in which he's explaining to them and trying to help them understand that he's going to the cross and what that means for them. And then we continue to read as we move on from the Passover. Uh, we read to that Good Friday where he's arrested, he's tried, he's crucified, and it culminates, of course, on Easter Sunday. And then following that, he continues to teach. And then there's his ascension. Uh, the scholar, Raymond Brown, describes the book of John this way. He says, the first 12, to, it's like a pendulum. The first 12 chapters, the pendulum's on the up, highest it goes. It starts out in John 1, talking about the incarnation. Jesus in heaven leaves heaven, right? So the pendulum's in heaven. And then it begins to swing down as Jesus comes to earth in His earthly ministry. And then it reaches the bottom here in chapter 13, where in the dark of night, the darkness, in in an attempt to extinguish the light of life, Jesus, Judas, working, prompted by the powers of darkness, betrayed Jesus in the dark of night. The pendulum swings from heaven down to the very bottom. Chapter 13. But then it begins to swing up. And unlike some of the other Gospels that, that look at the crucifixion more in terms of the of the tragedy that occurs, right? John looks at it as Jesus' glorification. As the Son of Man is lifted up on high, wearing His crown, drawing all people to Him. In John chapter 20, you might remember that that Pilate gives the order that above Him, in three different languages, be Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, written in Greek, in Latin, and in Aramaic, all three major languages of the day. And so in all three major languages, Jesus in His glory, being lifted high on the cross, is being declared the King of the Jews. And that continues as we move into Easter Sunday. The tomb is empty. Right? Jesus has defeated sin and its penalty death. He's resurrected. He has a glorified body. He appears to His disciples and He teaches them. Before then, the pendulum swings completely back up and He rejoins His Father where He sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Do you see the pendulum? It's kind of an overview. Some of the major themes of John's gospel. So, this morning, we see Jesus on that night in which um, He gathered to celebrate the Passover with His disciples. And as is customary, they reclined at the table. And it's very interesting as you look just at the very first verse of chapter 13. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave the world and go to His Father. He knew the pendulum was swinging upwards. But what did He want to do? It says, having loved His own who were in the world, He now wants to love them or demonstrate to them the depth of his love. And so to understand the events here of Jesus washing the feet of his disciple, we have to understand that this is an act of love. That God incarnate in an ultimate act of love, which is symbolic of what he's about to do on the cross, spiritual cleansing, Right, The people on Palm Sunday wanted to be delivered but from the oppression of Rome. Jesus came to deliver from the oppression of sin. To cleanse people spiritually. To set them free. To give them victory over the, the greatest opponent, death. And so he kneels. And as he begins to, to wash their feet... The grime and the dirt and the dust of the road its symbolic of the washing that's going to come, the cleansing of His blood, washing away their sin. But it also is a time in which He teaches something. Something that He has taught before, but now He's wanting to emphasize in a very powerful way. That just as he has called to be a servant and to serve, so his followers are called to do the same thing. And he gives them an ultimate demonstration of what that means, what that looks like. In a way that would be most demeaning and humiliating. He leaves his place at the table. He takes off his own garment. He wraps a towel around his waist And Christ of the Tao gets down on His knees and does for His disciples what in Jewish culture was among the most menial, degrading of tasks. He washes the filth and the grime and the dirt from their feet. Imagine. Imagine. Yourself at that table. Imagine Jesus getting down on his hands and knees and looking up to you and taking the basin filled with water and washing your feet. It's startling. It's unheard of. In, in Jewish culture, even a Jewish slave, if there was a Gentile around, would be kept from doing that. It wasn't even considered a worthy work of a slave. Hey, is there a Gentile? Let's get that person to do it. That's how, how menial and how humiliating it was. And then we see, of course, Peter. Hey, wait a minute, Right? But Jesus essentially says to him, unless you allow me to do this, you can't have any part in what I'm about. Because until we come to a place where Jesus washes our feet, spiritually cleanses us, how can we begin to understand what it means to do the same for others? And that's what He was calling them to do. To give their lives away as servants. Telling them that a servant isn't any greater than their master. Powerful imagery. A powerful statement. But what do we do with it? What what do you do with it? What do I do with it? The message over and over and over again in this chapter is love or service motivated by deep Love. Love for God. A response to what He's done for us. Doing for us what we possibly couldn't do for ourselves. Our Savior with a towel in His hand. Spiritually cleansing us. And calling us to the depths of service. Even as He was a servant. Well, there's four things, four things I think that this passage teaches us if we're to serve as Jesus served. Number one, to serve as Jesus served requires humility. requires humility. Uh, We think of the incarnation, God becoming flesh and and dwelling among us and, and entering into the human condition. And now here that same God in flesh, Jesus, God incarnate, kneels at the filthy, grimy feet of His disciples and enters in to that messiness, into that dirt, into that filth, symbolically representing what He's going to place upon Himself the next day on the cross. If we're going to serve as Jesus serves, it requires humility. John 13:14 through 7. Later in the chapter, Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, truly, I tell you. And Jesus is speaking this to you and me today. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Recently on Facebook, a pastor posted a question, and he asked his congregation all that that saw the question, what's hard about serving others? There were several answers. Perhaps one of these might be yours. Serving is hard when it doesn't fit into my schedule or plan. Like when I want to go for a walk or take a long bath, but my aging parent needs me to sort their meds, run an errand, or simply be with them. Another person responded, It's hard when someone else's needs seem endless. I don't want to risk helping, serving, because I might get sucked in, being swallowed up in the serving and not getting to be me or the person I think that I should be. A third person responded, There's such limited energy after a demanding workday meeting our basic responsibilities, whether with young kids or in the corporate world. How do you balance the need for rest and self-care with the call? to serve others. And then finally a person responded, I'll tell you what makes it hard to serve others? Others. <laughs> no doubt. The call to serve, even as Jesus served us, can be daunting. But it's a call that that we can't answer in our own strength or in our own power. It's a call that that can only be motivated out of the deepest love for the one who has cleansed us, that that we would become cleansing, servant agents of the Lord in the world, willing to even kneel and to stoop in humility to serve others. It's something that only can be accomplished in in the power of His Spirit as it gives us a heart and a desire to serve and to answer Jesus' call. To do for others as he has done for us. To serve as Jesus served requires humility. To serve as Jesus served requires sacrifice. The willingness to lay one's life down for the benefit of someone else. In John fifteen, thirteen, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down. For one's friend. To serve as Jesus served requires humility. It requires sacrifice. To serve as Jesus served requires taking up the lesser role. The lesser role. For the sake of others. Are we willing to incarnate? To go to where people are and to take a lesser role. The role of a servant for the benefit of someone else. Now, in Luke's Gospel, he he ties this next story into the events of of that Last Supper. Luke 22, 24-27. It says, A dispute among them arose as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now, here they are at this meal. Jesus has just washed their feet as as an absolute demonstration of servitude. And what are they doing? They're arguing among themselves who is going to be the greatest. They still don't get it. Jesus is calling them to a blessing of decrease. And they're still wanting the blessing of increase. And how I identify with that, don't you? And Jesus says to them, "The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors." But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Who is greater? It wasn't the ones at the table. It was Jesus who took His place, not at the table, but at their feet. The one who serves. It is not the one, is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. In other words, in man's economy, it's the one at the table. It's the one who's being served. In God's economy, the blessing of decrease is that you and I get to be servants. Our place isn't at the table. Our place is at people's feet. Our place is to enter into the world where it's filthy and grimy and dirty and messy. And join Christ there. That's our place. That's our call. To serve as Christ served requires humility. It requires sacrifice. To serve as Christ served requires taking up the lesser role, the blessing of decrease. To serve as Jesus served requires expressing love through action. You might recall several weeks ago, I quoted somebody. It's a wonderful quote. It says, piety without compassion is a lie. It's a lie. To serve as Jesus serves requires expressing love through action. And the love of Christ compels us. That we would have the honor and the privilege of serving as He served. In the name of the one who washes and cleanses us from our sin. Who offers us forgiveness in eternal life. John 13, 34-35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. You know, there's a lot of um, talk about promoting churches. How do you get people from the outside to come to the inside? But you know what we're about here at Community Covenant? We're about getting people from the inside to go to the outside to demonstrate love for one another that is so attractive it's like a magnet. How, how can people not be drawn to that and to Jesus Christ? Because they see us and the power of love being expressed and lived out in action in our lives. It's powerful stuff. Matt Proctor reflects on Christ's incarnation and in His servitude. He says, My five-year-old Carl and my three-year-old Conrad love it when I dress like them. After they put on jeans and a blue t-shirt, they'll come and ask me to wear jeans and a blue t-shirt. When I do, they have a saying. They will survey me survey themselves and say, look, Dad, same, same. For my birthday, Carl bought me a North Carolina blue mesh shirt. Because he has a North Carolina blue mesh shirt. We could be same, same. When I play living room football with my boys, Conrad will not let me play standing so big and scary and towering above him. The theological term for this is completely other. Instead, he insists that I get on my knees. When I am down at eye level, Conrad puts his hand on my shoulder and says, There, see dad, same, same. They like it when I enter their world. This summer I scraped my leg working on my house. When Conrad fell down and scraped his leg, he pointed at my scab and showed me his and said, Hey, Dad, same, same. Here's the point. God Himself has felt what we feel. In the incarnation, He, choose, he chose not to stay completely other. He got down at eye level. Yes, He even got down on His knees. God experienced what it's like to be tired and discouraged. He knows what it's like to hurt and bleed. On the cross, Jesus Himself prayed a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In your pain, you may be tempted to say, God, you have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea how bad I'm hurting. But God can respond, yes, I do. He can point to your wound then He can point to His own. And He looks at us and He says, Same, same. Me too. I have entered your world and I know how you feel. I have been there and I'm with you now. I care and I help. Jesus' invitation to you and to me as we move from Palm Sunday to Good Friday to His glory on the cross is this. Come as you are to be cleaned from your grime by His grace. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through or going through, Jesus' invitation is come. Come. Come as you are. Father, we thank you for our Savior. We thank you for our Christ with a towel who cleanses us spiritually and demonstrates our call to serve and be a servant. Father, no matter where we've been or where we are, no matter what we've experienced, Lord, this week, may we focus at eye level on the Savior who kneels in front of us and says, look, same, same, I know you're hurt, I know your pain, I know you, I love you, come to me. Father, we pray these things and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.